0: Welcome to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood, hosted by Jean Natale, co-founder and CEO of Troutwood. Watching Trees Grow is here to help Gen Z plant the seed for a sustainable and stable financial future. If you'd like to discover more from Troutwood, our speaker series is designed to work side by side with the Troutwood suite of investment educational and financial planning tools. Please visit Troutwood.com to learn more. Now, here's Jean Natale.
1: Welcome to Watching Trees Grow, a podcast by Troutwood. I'm Gene Natale, co-founder and CEO of Troutwood. I started this company because I believe in the power of financial literacy, and I host this podcast because I believe that sharing knowledge is one of the best learning tools. In the podcast, we interview financial professionals from around the globe We explore their lives, careers, and share their stories with you. It's an honor to introduce today's guest, Craig Slaughter joins us from West Virginia, where he is the CEO and executive director of the West Virginia Investment Management Board, a $24 billion fund. You heard that correctly, billion, managed on behalf of 130,000 beneficiaries. It's an honor to have Craig as a guest, and together he and I are gonna break down his experiences into financial, financial lessons that we as individuals can learn from. Craig, welcome
2: good to be here.
1: And and Craig, to immediately relate to our audience, my my first question is, is who are those 130,000 beneficiaries?
2: Uh, Well, to be a little uh, uh, clear, I I think I I probably need to correct uh, that statement a little bit. We we handle $24 billion, but it's for multiple uh, 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 investors, so to speak, uh, multiple entities. The vast majority of our assets are managed are our, our defined benefit pension assets which are managed on behalf of uh, those beneficiaries you referred to the 130 140 000 beneficiaries that consist you know the, which are made up of you know public employees employees of the state of west virginia uh teachers uh all across the state of west virginia uh judges of the local circuit judge the supreme court judges the uh uh, you know, policemen, the state policemen, in that uh, you, you all see around the state. Uh, some municipal p- p- police and fire pension plans. So your your city, uh, your city may invest with us. They don't have to, but they may. Uh, so it's a it's a diverse group of uh, of uh, uh, of state uh, employees, I guess, or state or political subdivision employees of the state uh, that we manage money for. And Craig,
1: we are, we're, we're filming this episode kind of uniquely and specifically for high school educators and students across West Virginia. When I hear you describe the beneficiaries, I'm thinking of that student audience and thinking, boy, that's moms, dads, neighbors, brothers, sisters. It's the teacher in front of the classroom. It's directly applicable and relatable to folks in their lives. Right. Is that fair to say?
2: Oh, absolutely! I am. I'm absolutely sure that probably everyone watching this knows somebody who is uh, a, per, a beneficiary of the uh, uh, of the assets we manage.
1: Well, Craig, let's let's dive in that 24 billion big number, 130,000 giant number. Before we talk finance. Tell us a little bit about Craig, the non-finance side of Craig. And Craig, to set you up for this question, we went out to our community and said, we're having this conversation with Craig, hugely impressive background. Um, And they said, well, tell us about the non-finance side of Craig.
2: Oh, goodness. I I don't know where to start with that. Um, uh, uh, I'm just a guy from West Virginia. I grew up in Nitro or i mean cross lanes but went to school high school at nitro west virginia which some of you all may be familiar with uh real a smaller size high school and uh uh you know grew up in a a good family and uh went on to was able to get to uh, go to college at cornell university and then uh, followed up with a uh, degree in uh, 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 law at the west virginia university and and then stumbled onto this job uh, but uh you know, I, being 60-plus years old, there's a, a lot to talk about, I suppose, and I don't, I, that, that conversation could go on forever. <laughs> well, what if I help you steer at uh, your two favorite hobbies? Uh, well, I, I've had many hobbies over the years, but uh, my, my two favorite hobbies now actually are uh, uh, climbing uh, mountains. So I, I go out to Colorado or Wyoming or California uh pretty much every year and spend a week or two uh climbing mountains out there. Um and then my other hobby which is a fairly recent occurrence is uh, uh I uh, I've gotten into woodworking a little bit. Uh I just enjoy the I enjoy wood but also uh, just to enjoy the problems it creates and trying to solve the problem that uh, of trying to make something out of a piece of wood and, and all the different things you have to do. Uh, interestingly that started with uh, uh, some cherry logs I, my, I collected from my dad's property back 30 some years ago and kept for 30 plus years and uh, with the idea that I was going to make something out of them eventually and ended up buying a chainsaw and learning how to cut boards out of them with a chainsaw and that sort of thing and just gravitated from there. Uh, But uh, then as we, now one of my older hobbies was cycling. I used to cycle very seriously and used to even race a little bit, uh, which Gene, we talked about that a little earlier, Uh, but that's fallen by the wayside as I've gotten older.
1: Well, and, and Craig, you had not mentioned the woodworking. So I learned woodworking from a past mentor of mine in Jamestown, New York, a Swedish gentleman. And at one point, Jamestown, New York was the woodworking capital of the country many, many, many years ago. And, oh, and wow, I didn't I, know that. It's an amazing hobby. Uh, I, 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 and I, when you said cherry. My first project was a cherry coffee table. Uh, with with use some spalding maple uh, uh-huh. to, to put some white legs so we'll we'll talk further off the uh, off the show on that hobby yeah i'd like to see a picture of that <laughs> I, absolutely so any student that just heard what, rock climbing craig rock climbs i rock climb where we're in west virginia uh i know you mentioned traveling out west but what when you, when you stick local where do you climb
2: well, I should, I should qualify that. I'm really not much of a rock climber. I, I've done some rock climbing in, in the New River Gorge uh, with, uh, but I'm not good enough to do it on my own. I need a guide to go with me. Uh, so when, you know, when I talk about climbing out west, it's really more um, what I would call scrambling where, you know, ropes and, uh, and technical hardware aren't required. Uh, it's kind of, uh, so as, as you know, you probably know there's, you know, 50 plus 14,000 uh, foot peaks in Colorado. And so a lot of people get a bit, you know, that's a big goal for them. I probably won't do that, but I, I started out taking, going after the hardest one of those uh, 50 some hardest ones of those 50 some. And, and so it's just, I just look for interesting mountains. Uh, I just love being up high and scrambling around. Some of it's pretty scary, but, uh, uh, I don't know that's part of the charm of it i guess
1: craig i'm wondering if your board of trustees is encouraging you to take up checkers and chess as opposed to mountain climbing
2: uh, i have to admit that they're a, a little uh concerned <laughs> <I should> say, <laughs> and, and, and constantly uh uh suggests that uh, maybe i should uh, uh just or, or ca- cautioning me to be cautious and uh, not uh, stretch the boundaries too much <laughs>
1: So when I'm going to ask you to kind of put yourself back in that high school classroom for this question and then fast forward where you are now. What do you do in the day job, Craig, versus what people think you do or what you might have thought someone in your position was doing prior to your
2: entering it? Uh, You know, I I, I think most people would assume that – as the uh, head and I'm also the chief investment officer, I guess that's a third title I carry, but uh, of this investment management board that we're, uh, we're, you know, we're constantly buying and selling stocks uh, and, uh, you know and, and know, and know a huge amount about, about a lot of different companies. And, and uh, you know, and oftentimes I get people that ask me for advice about a particular company. Uh, the, the reality is, is I do, I don't do that. Uh, I don't uh, look at individual companies as part of my daily job. Um, our job is to oversee a uh, an investment process, and it's more along the lines of uh, of uh, uh, you know, I guess the best way to describe it is is we're a a mutual fund company of sorts, a, a you know in the in the public sector. Um, so you know we we have a bunch of portfolios that we manage, and we have. We contract out with with uh, expert money managers, the best money managers in, in the world, frankly, and uh, to manage segments of the portfolio. So our job is really more of an oversight, uh, bigger picture oversight of of the investment process and 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 people we hire to do the job for us. Um, the uh, now, you know, for me in particular, you know, my job is primarily management of people. Uh, more than anything because, uh, you know, any organization with a, a fair number of people, we have 27 people on our staff. That's enough. I mean, you got to, uh, you know, somebody, somebody at the top has to manage the, the people and make sure things are getting done. You know, those people do all the, do all the work. I just, I kind of just oversee and make sure it's all, all getting done. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that that's the way things actually work. Mm-hmm. Did you
1: always know that you wanted to be in finance and be in this position? Or was there a turning point in your career that pivoted you this direction?
2: Uh, I did not know. I I basically stumbled onto this. And uh, uh, maybe to put it, I think the way I started out uh, when I was really young, you know, uh, uh, post-college is, you know, quite frankly, I realized I was a generalist. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really have, um, I wasn't really someone who liked to, you know, focus on any particular thing. And so I started out with this kind of ill-defined plan to uh, work myself into a position where I was in charge of my, my day-to-day life. Uh, you know, you can call it being the boss, so to speak. Um, but also where I was, but also had a desire to do something for the betterment of Society. society uh, rather than just make money for myself. And, you know, like, you know, if you're just purely in business, I mean, kind of the, the number one goal is to make money, uh, in, in general. And, and there's kind of a tendency to, to just focus on, uh, on that aspect of, of life. I always kind of had a sense that I wanted to, to do something more than that to, to, uh, help society. So, um, so that was my, gen- I, I, that was My general goal when I was say by twenty two, twenty three, I I kind of developed that idea. That's where that's the direction I wanted to go, and obviously that's a very broad direction. Um, So I mean, I thought, well, okay, the first step, maybe the first easiest way to move in that direction is to go to law school, Uh, and that's why I went to law school. I didn't really go to law school to be a be a lawyer per se, but by the little bit of research I'd done, indicated to me that a lot of people and a lot of of the important jobs in life uh in and, and a variety of different jobs in life uh, uh, had been lawyers at one time so i thought well that's a good place to start and you know if nothing else you can always hang out your shingle and, and work for yourself as a lawyer um, and do good for society but uh but i wasn't necessarily saying i, I want to be a lawyer uh, uh i just thought it was a good path to to get me to where i wanted to go And uh, it worked out. I I got out of law school, worked for a local law firm, uh, Jackson and Kelly. And uh, because of that job at Jackson and Kelly, I stumbled onto the opportunity to be the chief of staff of the treasurer's office when one of our clients was appointed to uh, fill the interim uh, position of treasurer. as a result of a uh, financial fiasco that caused the previous treasurer to resign. So, uh, you know, that kind of got me into that. You know, I was brought in as chief of staff to help uh, clean up the mess and uh, that led me to, uh, you know, kind of uh, educated me a little bit on the, the, the the investment process and this, uh, this universe. And I realized that investing is in some respects, it's the perfect place for a generalist. Because everything that happens in the world has an impact on uh, the investment process in some way, and may have a bearing on on on, on how you go about the the, the job, and so it, it it sort of fit what I was looking for originally, and and uh, so I saw the opportunity to make it into something that would uh, satisfy that general goal, and uh, kind of the in a sense the rest is history, I suppose. Uh,
1: Craig you you said something that my high school and college self resonated with I stumbled on it yeah. uh, and, and I, I say that both from a you know a personal that that pressure you feel when you're younger to give the impression you know what's next or you know what you want to study in college or what your job I think that is just a, a magical statement but then you follow it up by saying I wanted to do something that helped society um you are doing that. I, I, I sense in this early part of our conversation that, that you're a very modest gentleman, but those hundred and thirty to 140,000 beneficiaries, your role, you are providing retirement and financial security for a giant subset of the West Virginia population. That absolutely helps society.
2: Well, i like to think so. Um, you know, our job here is, um, you know, importantly, I, I think people should understand that yeah, the investment management board is uh, is by statute a fiduciary uh, which means we uh, we have a it's 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 one of the highest duties in in, in law to uh, to be a fiduciary and it basically means we have to uh, uh, we have a, a duty to manage the assets entrusted to us in the best interest of the beneficiaries so uh you know, it doesn't matter what I want or what my goals are, you know, what matters to me as a fiduciary and as a job, you have to divorce yourself uh, from your yourself, so to speak, when you think about these assets and you have to think about what's in the best interest of those, those, those 130 plus thousand beneficiaries who are relying on uh, us to invest their assets effectively. Um, now you're right. I mean, I, 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 I like to remind myself that it's, uh, you know, it's, you know, our, we have a role in this process. It, we're not the only person that has a role in this process. There is, a, um, you know, the state is responsible for providing the funds that we invest uh, or, or a large bit of the funds. The beneficiaries also provide us a portion of their salary, which g- goes into the pot and that we're managing. Uh, but once it goes into the pot, it's the beneficiary's money. And that's, that's the, that, that may be an important point that we, when we talk later about some other things that, uh, you need to remember that these, uh, for defined benefit pension plans, uh, the, uh, once the money goes into the pot and it is invested by us, it's the beneficiary's money. It's no one else's money and it's, uh, and it's only for their, their use. Uh,
1: educators, students listening, I'm going to throw two suggested homework assignments based on Craig's last comments one understand what a legal fiduciary is that is a big deal and, and Craig beautifully described it and then second understand that that last comment that that money that 24 billion dollars it's not Craig's money it's not the state's but it's the beneficiary's money those are very powerful statements Craig Craig before we, we're going to dive in deeper and that's going to be the second part of the podcast but I'm before one final question before diving into to part two of this what job were you working in high school and college?
2: Oh, um, high school, uh, is, oh, I, you know, it's like most kid people back in, by it, back in my time. I don't know what it's like now, but, uh, we, uh, I did a bunch of things, bowed grass, uh, worked as a lifeguard, uh, worked as a a laborer on a construction crew. Um, that was the worst job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, being a lifeguard was the best job. Um, in college, I did more of the same stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's that's basically what you do. You just, you know, you, you, you get a job and you make money. And in fact, I well, in college, I worked two jobs in the summers. I worked as a uh, uh, a lifeguard and a laborer. So I'd, I'd go to I'd, seven o'clock in the morning. I was on the job site working as a laborer all day long till about three o'clock. And then I get on my bicycle and ride to the uh, the... The, the pool and work as a lifeguard till nine 30 at night and then go home, and go to bed. And didn't do that every single day, but a lot of the days of the week. Uh, yeah. So working is important. A hundred percent. So Craig,
1: now I'm going to speak directly to the that student audience, the students who are mowing a lawn this summer, who are lifeguarding, who are working construction. What an example of what's possible. Right. What an example of what's possible. Um, Super cool, Craig. Thank you for that. Uh, I'm going to segue us to part two, where we dive into more of that, the day to day management of the fund, your responsibilities and try to bridge that to the concept of this generation of students uh, needing to take responsibility for their financial future. And I'm going to start with, uh, you said a, a very important comment when I had asked about the perception of what people think you do versus what you do. And you'd mentioned the perception of constantly buying and selling stocks, but that you do not look at individual companies. I speculate that our student audience probably said, whoa, 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 because individuals generally only look at individual companies and generally only look at highly speculative individual companies. Um, for students that maybe heard that term mutual fund that, that for the first time in their lives, or who kind of said, wait a minute, he's not buying GameStop. I'm out of here. Uh, can you, you back into that philosophy of, of, of why you aren't spending your days buying individual stocks and what more the approach is? Because if it doesn't say crypto or GameStop is a young person reading it right now.
2: Right. Um, <clears throat> boy, that's a long discussion. Um, uh I, I'd start with the first uh, thought for 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 small investors is um, one thing you got to remember at, about the 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 markets is well first of all for us we're in it for the long term you know we're we're not trying to make uh, you know we know we have to invest these assets indefinitely uh, and uh, the uh, and so we we have to you know. We can't just think, okay, I need to make, we're going to make this money now and, 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 and walk away and go do something else with it. Uh, we're going to be in the markets constantly. Um, now, another point I want to make just about markets in general, that's, it's, it's really important for everybody to understand, I think, is that um, there are hundreds of thousands, millions of people out there uh, who are very, very smart people. And and some of the smartest people in the world are investing money. um, Who and they also do this all day long. They think about it. They they they're working at that job all day long, and most of their waking hours. And so that's the universe. That's there's there's a, a large number of people in the market that are fit that category. Now, if you're just a casual investor who has a day job totally unrelated to investing, and you're going to try to, and and you're trying to compete with those people on the side, that sounds like a losing proposition to me. Uh, you know, because, you know, to think that you are smarter than those, you would have to be a lot smarter than those people to be able to uh, gain an advantage over them if you're not spending all of your day doing it. Uh, so, in a sense, you either have to be incredibly a whole lot smarter than everybody else, or outwork everybody else, and then you fall back again on what I said earlier. There are probably over a million people, if not more, I, I just it just a, a huge number of people out there that are actually doing this every day, all day long. So, just remember that you're you're competing with them on on in this in this universe. So. I think that's where, you know, modesty has to come in. I mean, you have to be uh, realistic about what you, who you are and what you are and what your capabilities are. And, and I just know that I'm not that much smarter than anybody else. Uh, and especially, you know, the, 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 the best investors out there. Uh, I just don't think I am. And, and I doubt if most of the listeners here are either. And, uh, and, and so, and then you, so to, to think that you're going to be able to gain it, and you know, to win in the long run in that game you know, seems like the height of insanity, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, Craig, you
1: started by saying we are in it for the long term. Can I ask how you, def- how many years do you define as long term, a
2: long term investment? Uh, well, for pension plans, um, they they're set up to to exist to infinity, I should say. I mean, they don't have an end life. Um, As a practical matter, we think in terms of, you know, 10 to 30 years down the road. Uh, So when we look at assets, we we tend to think of, you know, what's the likely return over the next 10 to 30 years uh, of this particular asset? Uh, say when I say an asset, I mean, an asset could be as broad as stocks, you know, all the stocks in the in the market at this point or all the bonds in the market at, at, at anyone at, the, at, at this point um, or all the real estate. So you look at that whole universe and say, what's the universe, you know, the rate of return on that universe? Uh, uh, what do we expect that rate of return to be over 10 to 30 years out of the future?
1: So ten to thirty. If I'm an eighteen year old high school senior sitting in a West Virginia classroom, that puts me in the you know twenty eight to forty eight range. Right. You're, that that that's really interesting. That means that I, as an individual, can learn off of what you are doing and apply a similar long term approach. Would you agree with that? Is that a fair statement?
2: Oh, absolutely. I I think as eighteen uh, year olds have a uh, they have long time horizons. I mean, you you know you you. Uh, I think most of you would would assume you're going to live forever. Uh, <laughs> I did when I was 18 years old. I didn't think about you know the the end the end game. Uh, but regardless, even if you do, you're in all likelihood you're gonna you're gonna live to be in your you know 70s at least. And and as you get older, you your your chances of living longer than the, the mid 70s or so forth is goes up. So, uh, you know, maybe by the, if you're healthy at the time you retire, then you're in all likelihood going to live well into your eighties. So that's still, you know, if you're retired 65 and you're going to live till you're 85 or 90, that's 20, 25 uh, years down the road. That's still a long time. So you, you, uh, you, uh, I think that's the framework in which people ought to really think uh, as a rule.
1: And if, and money is important for those 25 years, those past working years. C- Craig, for any student that said, boy, yeah, but I'm different. I can beat the market. I, I can trade or I I've got the the secret ingredients here. Uh, boy, C- Craig, this is a boring approach. He's talking about what's not boring is making money. Uh, and I'm curious, Craig, what the growth uh, you mentioned, $24 billion. What was it when you started?
2: Oh, gosh. Uh... Probably, I think if I just ballparking, I'm thinking around five billion dollars.
1: So, so I would say to that student audience, you know, that's five billion to twenty four billion is the exact opposite of boring, and you know, learn from the discipline that the state has in place. Craig, our next handful of questions, we we went out to our community and said, what questions would you want to ask someone in Craig's position? these are fun and they, they core, they correlate with our conversation. Uh, so just know these are coming, not, not from me, but from students who are interested in, in learning from you. This first one, what is the most important thing you do at your job? Uh, That's not an easy question, Craig.
2: No, no it's not. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's like most things, everything is, uh, is, um, uh, it's it's the more you dig into it, the more uh, 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 complex it becomes. I the most important thing I do at my job, you know, overall, is is uh, is uh, make sure that we are the whole organization is working in the best interests of the beneficiaries of the assets we manage. Uh, you know, it sounds boring to keep saying that, uh, and it's it's it becomes tedious, but that is the job. And, uh, now that means a lot of different things. I mean, I, you know, it's important that I treat my, you know, that the employees in our office are, are treated well and are, uh, compensated adequately for the job they do. It's important that we have good people, uh, in those jobs. Uh, it's, uh, it's important that we have a good work environment because all those things go into doing a good job for the beneficiaries. Um, you know it's it's uh it, it's important that we you know we we watch our the money managers who are making the buy and sell decisions on particular stocks or bonds and, and or other assets uh, our job is to make sure that they are actually doing what we hired them to do and, and doing and, and playing in the right uh ballpark for example uh and 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 uh, not buying stocks that they're not supposed to be buying or, or you know, classes of stocks are not supposed to be buying and, and all those sort of things. So.
1: Craig, I love that the first part of your answer immediately, you said the word beneficiaries again, because every time you say that word, I think that the teachers I know so well across the state, I think the moms and the dads working so hard across West Virginia. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely noticing how often you are saying that word. Uh, so, so Craig, don't fault me for this next question either. I'm smiling in advance of it because I love that a student asked, it. Uh, Craig, are you happy? Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and I'd love to ask the student what the context behind, behind the question, but are you happy? And then I'll, I'll tease you with the second part of the question Or, you know, do you still want to be something else like an astronaut or maybe in your case, a mountain climber climbing Everest? Um, that's an interesting question from a young person.
2: Um, yeah, it, yeah, it is. Um, I absolutely, I'm happy. Uh, now it's, it's for a number of reasons. One is I, I think my, uh, you know, I, I have a good balance of work and, and, uh, and life, uh, you know, as opposed to work life, um, you know, you know, my other life outside of work. I, I've always tried to, it's always been important to me to, to balance those well. And, um, uh so you know my job is is I do I really do like my job because it's it's all the things I really wanted I again like I said earlier I'm a generalist I get to think about everything I get to uh I I get to travel around the world uh, talking to some of the smartest people in the world and you know you know sometimes what they say is completely over my head uh but it's uh but uh, I, I oftentimes get some nuggets <laughs> of of information out of it um the uh I get to work with uh, great people um you know I have this uh uh you know and I'm doing something i I feel good about you know you know my work life is something that you know kinda you know makes me feel uh good about what i do uh, because i you're right i mean the you know teachers you know i i get a you know people that I know that are public employees or teachers they're grateful because uh, you know, some of them remember what was happening back in the 80s. And there was this investment fiasco that got me in this originally. And they, you know, they lost a ton of money. And some of that money was teachers' money, public employees' money. And and uh, people are, you know, they're, they're all cognizant of the fact that if it's not managed well, then their retirement is at risk. And um, and, and so that, you know, it's just, it's nice to be, it, it feels good to be able to do something uh, positive for people, um, for other people. Um, but, you know, the other element to it is, is I, you know, I've been married to the same woman, uh, uh, only one woman my entire life and, and, uh, have a, a good family and, you know, great family. And I enjoy that. And, uh, yeah, that's a, that's another critical element to, uh, happiness, in my opinion. It's, it's, you can't just be happy at work. You got to be happy all, all the way around. Uh, you need to, they're both equally important.
1: hundred percent, the work-life balance. Craig, to that, it, it's going to be the wave of personal finances is, I think, coming into the classroom, the work that West Virginia is doing with Finance University being just one example. It's going to be, I, I speculate that it's probably going to be a really good thing as these educators and students become more aware of what it means to be a long-term investor as opposed to just, you know, hoping that money's going to be there, they're going to understand that, that it will be there because they'll understand the process better than maybe they did 20 years ago. That's just personal opinion. But as you said that, um may, may be an interesting direction the conversation goes in the future. Craig, now we're going to kind of time portal this. Um, and and, and, and I'm, we're going to go three questions, high school, college, first job. And, and think again to our to our audience here but if you could change one thing about your time in high school what would it be and the examples that this this student threw out would you apply to a different college would you have saved more summer job money etc these aren't the usual questions you get in a day Craig
2: <laughs> Boy, I, yeah, I, I, one of my my uh, one thing I decided early on was to never regret <laughs> anything i did because it doesn't do any good uh, the uh, uh you, you just you take what you did and, and and make the best of it and if there's a lesson to be learned you learn it uh if it was uh, a great experience there's probably another lesson to be learned from that as well um you know, I, in high school, I, I was, I was probably, I was an introvert in high school. I didn't really, uh, I was, uh, I pro- if I would do anything over again, I would probably be a little more adventurous uh, 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 and and try to be more outgoing and, and, and so forth. So um, that's, that's really it. I mean, I, otherwise I'm, oh, uh, I, I suppose the only other thing I can think of off the top of my head is I would have, uh, uh, I would have uh, gone out for the basketball team, uh, in a, as a sophomore in high school, rather than as a senior, I, I, uh, I just didn't do it, uh, cause I wasn't sure of myself and I guess I didn't have as much confidence in, in myself as I should have. But,
1: uh, Those are great, Craig. Well, that's to that sophomore thinking of trying out for the basketball team. Go do it. Uh, yeah.
2: Oh uh, yeah. I'll- that's yeah. Just do things. Uh, don't be afraid. I love that. You know,
1: I was an introvert, too, in high school, and I was always afraid to ask questions. So I'll throw that to that student audience as well. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, we we know it, it takes courage to do so. Yeah, I would uh, echo
2: that. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So fast forwarding to college, if you could change one thing about college. Uh.
2: I probably should have played on the rugby team instead of the lacrosse team because <laughs> <laughs> I was better suited for that. Uh, and uh, so. Uh, Craig, I love the
1: realness because we work in an industry when, when we pull students, they think finance and that they check out. I, I love the way you answer both of those questions. Yeah.
2: Now, now, there is another thing I, from an academic standpoint, I probably I wish I'd taken more courses in economics, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I I only took one course, e- Echo 101, uh, you know, macro. And and at the time, I didn't really I, quite honestly, though, I didn't appreciate economics at, at the time. And I, and I do much more now. I think it's a, a much more interesting topic than uh, than I did at the time because it, it you know, I, I now know that, you know, very a lot of what happens in the world is uh, is 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 uh, the subject of economics uh, both on a macro level and a micro level uh, you know the Federal Reserve has a huge influence on 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 what happens in the world and in the, in the economic or the the financial world and and understanding how you know the macroeconomics that uh, the uh, uh, the Federal Reserve is working with would have been I mean, it's something I've learned since. But it's 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 a fascinating subject. Uh, but you know, at the time, I I really didn't uh, I didn't perceive myself as a financial kind of person. So I majored in history, which I don't regret either. I I love the fact that I, uh, I majored in history. I, I still enjoy history, and it just uh, it's just one of those things in my background that I think has made me a better person in some ways. Mm-hmm.
1: Now, fast forwarding from that that history major, what's something you would have done differently at first job? And then there's a specific follow up question of this, Craig. Should I be saving in a 401k? So this is a student who are a recent a graduate who I think had a, a, a motive with this question.
2: Um, yeah, again, first job. Well, I, you know, my first job out of college was uh, painting a house, but uh, <laughs> so I'm mm-hmm. not going to go there. Um, my first serious job, I would say, was after I went to law school and and uh, as a lawyer. And I, um, you know, I mean, in, in retrospect, I think I probably should have, uh, I, I maybe I should have, uh, yeah, I could have chosen a different path, which I might have enjoyed just as much. Uh, uh, and 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 maybe I went to work for a big law firm, you know, one of the biggest law firms in the state at the time. It was very much a defense oriented or I mean a, uh, a corporate law firm. And um, I don't know that that kind of practice w- really suited me, which is part of the reason I, I, I did leave and took the opportunity that was offered to me to go to the treasurer's office. So, um, so, you know, but on the other hand, you know, if I hadn't been there, the opportunity that I got wouldn't have existed either. So I, there's no way I can regret that uh, at least at this point in my life. Um, but I will say one thing uh, about, that gets to this 401k uh, or maybe even a, a corollary of the 401k issue is the one thing i think i should have done earlier in my life that i didn't is save my money uh save more money um and uh it wasn't and it's in it, looking back it's not so much to save it for I mean, your 401k, you need to, you need to put money aside for your 401k because you're going to have to live on that at one point and, and, and the, the sooner you do it, the better off you are. But I would have saved more money in addition to a 401k because, um, what that does is it gives you options in your life to, to, to uh, uh, and just kind of give you an example, uh, you know, by after the great financial crisis, I, uh, you know, 2008, you know, housing prices and were just fell through the floor. Uh, everything was super cheap and I bought a condo and, uh, my wife and I bought a condo at the beach and we got a great deal on it. Uh, it, uh, was, you know, uh, significantly less than it would have been in normal times. And, and, you know, it was no question. It was a great deal. Um, And, you know, it's, it's gone up in value and it's, it's, it's a whole lot more valuable than it was then. Uh, I should have bought 10 condos, but I didn't have the assets to buy more. And that's what saving your money gives you. It gives you the option to do something that would, that you, that, that can actually be leveraged into something greater later on, um, so you know, buying buying a house is a, you know or a condo is is a is a simple example. But you know, it, it can be the leverage that allows you to go back to school if you decide that your your life path is the wrong path. You need to change change paths. It gives you the the ability to uh, you start your own business. Uh, you know maybe you're yeah. you know if you work five or six years or ten years and you see a, a a something that just you just know it's a great business. If you don't have some capital, you're not going to be able to do it uh, or adequate capital, you're not going to be able to do it. So, uh, so, so again, it, it's about having options. So save your money to create options for yourself.
1: So important buy low, sell high is only possible. If you have the money to buy low when the right. opportunity presents. Craig, um, just kind of continuing this progression and one final in this theme now in your current seat. And I think this is good advice for for the younger generation, where COVID was their first, you know, you know, tough market experience. How do you invest through bad times like a COVID, like a financial crisis? What's the the process or the philosophy that you use?
2: Um, I, I I could put it in the there's a, one of my uh, dear friends, a peer of mine. He he likes to say that. You know, uh, he goes like this sometimes he said, occasionally I have this brilliant idea. And the first thing I do is put myself in a in a dark room, lock the door and wait for it to go away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, th- what he's really referring to is, is, you know, you in investing, you make a plan. Uh, you make a plan when things are normal uh, for for how you want to invest assets. And it's a long term plan. And these You're going to run into these markets like COVID, the pandemic, uh, like the great financial crisis in 2008, like the dot-com bust in 2000, 99, 2000. Those those kind of things are going to happen, and the markets are going to tumble. But your plan is in place, and and the the most important thing to do when when that happens is nothing. Don't do anything. Just stick with what you got. Um, uh, now if you have some extra assets, you know, extra cash on hand, that's a brilliant time to go buy something when the market tumbles, because you, you know, in the long run, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, history, history tells us that assets recover. Um, yeah, it, now it may be a lot, it may be a fairly long time for that. It may take a long time for that to happen. I mean, in, in terms of years, uh, that's why when we think about investing and, and develop a plan, it may be 10, we think in 10, 20 year timeframes, um, is, and because it, it may take time, but it, it, in all likelihood, it will recover.
1: Well, and I'm, i if I could make a bold faced statement to our student audience, students, you too are long term investors. You have that word. Craig just said, you have time to apply that same philosophy. Uh, Craig, my final question, and this has just been a pure pleasure, um, and it's a curiosity question. Uh, where does your thirst for knowledge come from? Because it it exudes in just the way you presented, the way you've been answering these questions. Did you always have it?
2: Yeah, uh, I I guess I was just kind of born that way. I don't know. I I was uh, I was lucky to have great parents. Uh, they were interested in things. Uh, they were both read a lot, um, especially my mother. And, uh, you know, she was, uh, yeah. So I, you know, I guess, uh, I've just always been interested in why things were the way they were. And, uh, yeah, I was taught to think that way to ask questions and not accept anything at face value. And, uh, so it, uh, I I just enjoy knowing why things work the way they work. Uh, I, I just, uh, I just think it's interesting. So, I
1: Were you an avid reader also then, uh,
2: back in high school, back in college? Uh, yeah, I was. In fact, at grade school, I can remember back in grade school, I was, uh, you know, I, I tried to get my work done as fast as I could so I could pull out my book and read. And so I, you know, and I was able to do that. So I, other people would, you know, you're sitting there in class, everybody's working through these problems. I did them and I'd, I'd be reading my book. If it was just 15 minutes, I would do it. Uh,
1: I love that. Craig, one of my favorite books from my college years was October Sky with Homer Hickam. and uh, Obviously some strong ties to West Virginia there. That was a book that, that as I, I would share with friends in the dorm, they would devour. C- Craig, thank you. Um, th- this was so much fun. I am so excited to, to share this with the educators in the classrooms across uh, West Virginia. And I cannot be more sincere in expressing my appreciation.
2: Well, Gene, thank you for uh, uh, putting this on. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I hope I've been some, uh, what I've said is, is, is of some benefit to the audience. And uh, so, again, thank you.
1: Uh, no doubt. And thank you to everyone tuning in.
0: You've been listening to Watching Trees Grow, presented by Trotwood. Don't forget to subscribe both to our podcast and our YouTube channel so you never miss an episode. If you're interested in learning more about Troutwood, please visit us at troutwood.com or follow us on social media. A special thank you to our guest today and our host, Jean Natale. Our producers are Jeff Davidek, Maggie Mayer, and me, Kristen Malone. This podcast is not intended to provide legal, investment, or tax advice on any of the topics we've covered. Thanks for listening. Join us next time on another great episode of Watching Trees Grow.